This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Okay, so I've got a story to tell you. Because it's going into Thanksgiving, I heard this the other day, and there, there was a lady, and she, um, she was getting ready for Thanksgiving. She was one of these people who's really prepared, so she was like doing it the week before. And so she decided to run out and get a turkey, and she went into the grocery store, and she made her way all the way down to the back to find where the turkeys were. And she was like, surely these aren't the turkeys. They look like chickens. They're tiny. So she went and she called the guy who works in the department and she called him over and she spoke to him and she said, now listen, I'm looking for a turkey. And she said, is this as big as they get? And he looked at her and he said, yes, they're dead. (laughs) Anyway, well, I thought it was funny anyway, so take that. Okay, I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled... Help, my blessing has become a curse. You didn't expect that, did you? Okay, so I'm going to read for for you first from Mark chapter 10, and I'm going to read your story, and then we're going to get into it. Now, as he was going out on the road, he's talking about Jesus, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all of these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looked at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. So before we get into things, let me me prefix everything by saying this. Stick with me, okay? We're going to go somewhere on a journey, but you've got to let me get there. Okay, because I might say some things initially that perhaps you look at and you think, I'm not sure that I really go along with that. I promise you, I'm going to give you scripture and verse for everything. Okay, what's really important about the story, like most of the stories in the Bible, is this our disposition is really important because if we approach the, the what's being told to us from the wrong disposition, what ends up happening is it affects the filter through which we view what's happening, and so our interpretation is different. If you talk to different people who have different dispositions, their takeout from the story will be quite different. Are you with me this morning? Okay, you have to engage now, okay, because it's like sometimes I leave here very sorrowful because <laughs> I feel as though it's like I'm talking and talking and, and you're just looking and I don't know whether you're listening or whether you get home and say, that's the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard in my life. Even if you say nonsense, it's okay. Um, there you go. Um, where was I up to? Yes, yeah, so our disposition is really important. So what makes our disposition right as opposed to wrong? It's simple, scriptural. Everybody's got an attitude. Everybody's got a view. Everybody's got a teaching. Everybody's got a history. Everybody's got something that's informed them. With respect, none of that really matters if it's a disconnect between what scripture says. So it's really important for us to be at a place that no matter what populates my life, I'm always open to the idea that the Holy Spirit can come in and fix some stuff and change some stuff so that it aligns with Scripture, okay? So it's important for us to have a scriptural disposition, and then we can perhaps interpret what's happening in the story slightly differently. 
So what I want to tell you about is this. So you, uh, let me take you on a little journey. It's really important because I'm going to establish disposition and then we're going to get into it. Okay? So in Psalm 34 verse 8, it says, Oh, hold on. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. This is such an important scripture because it goes against the grain of what so many people believe about God. So many people believe God is upstairs with a big stick waiting to hit them the minute they step out of line. And what it says is you're so wrong. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What it's saying is God is good innately, inherently. It is part of his nature. It is who he is. He can't get away from that because it's who he is. Birds fly because it's in their nature. Fish swim because it's in their nature. God is good because it's in his nature. God can't help it. God is good. All he wants to do with regularity is express who he is, and it comes out as goodness. Everywhere you go, God is looking for you to experience who he is, and you experience him through his goodness in your life. It says, taste and see. What he's saying is, participate in who I am. If you give me the opportunity, I'll open the door so you can taste of my goodness and you can experience my goodness. He's looking for you to experience him, and you're not going to experience him with the big stick. You're going to experience him in his goodness. A lot of people have a disposition that's very negative. And so when they approach God, they're always looking with a negative bent. Anything that's bad that happens in my life, it's because of God. It's not because of God, because God didn't put that in your life. God only gives you what is good. Everything that is good and everything that is perfect comes from Him, because that's who He is. Say, I serve a good God. Not only do you serve a good nod, what it says is, it carries on. It says, if you trust in him, he will bless you. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. What he's saying is this, I love you so much. What I'm going to do is, I'm looking for an opportunity for you to enter into a relationship with me. And what I will do is, I'm going to lead you and I'm going to guide you. I'm going to speak into your life. And as I speak into your life, what I'm doing is, I'm making you aware of the fact that there are different paths and different options. And if you'll take my leading and you'll take my guiding, if you'll listen to my voice and you'll appropriate your life according to what I've instructed you to do, you'll encounter something amazing. It's called blessing. It's my goodness. What he's saying is, stuff's going to happen in life. The thing is, if you listen to me, if you put your trust in me, if you'll follow my leading, if you'll follow my guiding, you will encounter goodness in what you do. God wants to populate our lives with his goodness. And there's a reason that he wants to do it. So if we talk about the fact that God wants to bless us and God is interested in expressing his nature, which is his goodness into our life, what exactly is blessing? Blessing speaks about a sign, a sign of special favor. It's a sign of special favor that results in success or prosperity. That's what blessing is. Every time God blesses you, in, in whatever form it might be, it is a sign of special favor that's designed to translate a circumstance or a situation, an aspect of your life, into something which is prosperous and which is successful. Why does God want to do that? Because what he's doing is he's inviting us and he's creating a, an opportunity where the blessing serves as an invitation as a guide, as a motivation for us to pursue a course of life in the blessing, 
and what he's called us to do. What he's saying is, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Listen to me, because if I take you and I guide you, what I'm looking to do is I'm, introdu- I'm looking to introduce you to favor, favor that translates into success and prosperity in all that you do. Why? Because when you do that, my life becomes a living testimony to who he is. The reason we're to be light and salt on the earth is not because we're so wonderful and because we're so good looking and because we have such a great personality, but it's because the goodness of God is evident in my life. It's because where I go, His goodness goes before me. Everywhere I go and everything that I touch, His goodness is evidence. And people look at me and they sit and say, what is it about you that's so different? Why are you always the radiant one? Life is full of stuff. What sets you apart? It's because I live under the blessing. I live in a place where God is always exuding and overflowing my life with His goodness. His goodness. The thing about it is, so Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse, um, I want to start verse 8. See, I told him, I'm going to give scripture and verse for everything. And you shall again listen to and obey the voice of the Lord and do all His commandments, which I command you today. Then the Lord your God shall make you abundantly prosperous in everything that you do. What he's saying is this. I'm not only going to speak to you about what my intention is. I'm not only going to speak to you about how good I am and how my nature wants to overwhelm your life. I'm going to show you how to do this. In the Old Testament, they, had, uh, they never had the opportunity that we have. So in the Old Testament, they had to live by rules and regulations. They had to live by the law. We don't have the law anymore because what we have is we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. So He guides us and He leads us and He writes on our heart what it is that He's wanting to do. And He we motivated from the inside out. What he's saying is when you develop an intimate relationship with me, when I become the person that is most important in your life, when you get to a place where you develop a sensitivity to hear my voice and my promptings in everything that you do, you'll obey what I called you to do. And as you step out because of my leading and my guiding, you'll move into prosperity. You'll move into success. You'll move into blessing. And in that place, I can sit and say, thank you, Lord. My life, I have a responsibility as a born-again believer to be blessed. The problem with it is we view it the wrong way around because we think blessing is all for me. As long as you stop it up there, then no, it's a wrong disposition. When I understand my responsibility to be blessed is to be a living example and a testimony to the world, I understand I have a responsibility to be blessed. It's important for me to hear what God's saying. It's important for me to get his direction, to move forward in the the way that he wants to do things. Why? Because every time I'm blessed, everybody around me should notice. I don't have to advertise myself, but the blessing advertises him. I'm tired of Christians who are always the... Oh, there's a term I can't really use in church. I heard it. I've never used it myself. <laughs> but they're always at the back end of stuff. They're the most sour people ever. They can't relax and have fun and have a good disposition about life. People don't want to be around them. Why? Because you're not blessed. Be blessed. Don't always think about blessing in a natural context. It's important and that's absolutely relevant. But I want you to know something. God's called you to blessing in every avenue of your life. 
When you go into spaces, people should be, I like it when they arrive. Do people like it when you arrive? They should be calling for you. We're having a party. Make sure that they're top of the list. Are you coming? You can't make that date. Not to worry. I'll reschedule the party. When can you make it? Why? Because when I arrive, I bring the blessing with me. When I arrive, I bring goodness with me. When I arrive, I'm able to look at people and esteem people and value people because I have the disposition of who he is. I'm called to be blessed. I have a responsibility to be blessed because I'm a living example to the world. I'm a testimony of who he is. This is not something new. This is something that describes who God is and always has described him from the very beginning of time. The very first thing that God did when he created man, he got a few bits of dust together, created a body, breathed into his nose the breath of life, and the very first thing he did was bless man. Bless man. And God blessed them. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Replenish it. Subdue it. Have dominion. What is he saying? I'm setting a path before you. A path designed for you to be successful. A path for you to be prosperous. I want you to live in the blessing of who I am. What he was saying to man is, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And it's completely rooted and grounded in being blessed because of me. The first thing he did with man was bless him. He meets with Abram. What does he say to him? I'm so glad I met somebody like you. You know why? Because you and I can form a covenant. And because of that covenant, covenant, all the people in the earth will be blessed. What is he doing? He's not satisfied just to work with you. He's working with individuals to sit and say, we have a population. We have a globe full of people. My intention is that everybody sees who I am, experiences who I am, partakes of my blessing and my goodness. And everybody gets to realize what I'm all about. God is always looking to take and to bless. Israel, God's chosen people, it's important for him because he says, you know what? I want you to be set apart from all the nations on the earth. There's something special about you because I have selected you, because you take me as your God. And as a result of that, I've prepared something special for you. It's called the promised land. And I'll tell you what, it's so wonderful I'm about to introduce you to it. But I want you to know more about that introduction. And I want you to know more about that blessing. So what ends up happening is Moses starts speaking to them. And in Deuteronomy 28, verse 2, he says, says this, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Say this after me. All these blessings come upon me and overtake me because I obey the voice of the Spirit within me. Now this is to you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now understand this. This is written in their context because it's not modern day. I want you to put it in the context of your life. Close your eyes because this is God speaking to you. Blessed will you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the fruit of your body be, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl be. 
Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. God is interested in your life because you're a walking billboard for him. He wants to write the story of who he is on your life so that you can go out and people are afraid of you. It's not a fear thing. It's a recognition. There's an awe that goes with that, that it's like there's something different about you. What is the difference about you? I'm blessed. I live from goodness. I live from goodness. But something fundamental happened, something that's really important. There was a major change that happened from everything that God had done up until this point because something came into the picture which hadn't been there before. Christ. Christ came in. And when Christ came into the picture, all of a sudden, there was a big transition that happened. All of a sudden, we move from an Old Testament to a New Testament. What it means is this. Jesus didn't come to do away with the Old Covenant. He was there to take the Old Covenant, to ratify it, and to introduce us to a brand new covenant established on bigger and better promises. What he was saying was, if you think that's the best, you're wrong. The best is still to come. The best is still to come. What was so important? There were two big things that were so fundamental about what Jesus did. Number one was this. He opened the door for the very Spirit of God to come and re-inhabit man. In the Old Testament, they never had that. God was outside of them, and they worshipped God who was up in heaven. But all of a sudden, Christ came, and he he created an opportunity for a space to be created on the inside of me. A spiritual nest cleaned out so that the very Spirit of God could come and inhabit me, and live inside me, and commune with me, and have relationship with me, and talk to me, and introduce who he is to me, and expose his goodness through me, and invite me to wholeness, and, and everything that he's created for me. He did that. But the second thing that he did was this, and it's so important for us to understand as born-again believers. One thing that he introduced from the moment he arrived on the scene and introduced himself as the Christ was he introduced the kingdom. They introduced the kingdom. They didn't have the kingdom in the Old Testament. He introduced the kingdom. What was he saying? The kingdom has come. Why is the kingdom important? Because everything that God has for you, every blessing, every grace, every provision, every um, wholeness, every goodness, everything is wrapped up in the kingdom. You have access to the kingdom. You have a spiritual storehouse. This is the big difference. In the Old Testament, I used to wonder because you looked at so many people like Abraham and Lot and David and Solomon and they were so blessed. And I'm talking in the financial context and the material context right now. And I never really understood that because there seemed to be such a disconnect between the Old Testament and the New. You just don't see that much in the New Testament. And I thought, why is that? I'll tell you why. Because they never had access to a spiritual storehouse. So what happened was God blessed them so they had a natural storehouse that they had to live from. 
In the new covenant, we have a spiritual storehouse called the kingdom of God. Everything that you need is available to you in the kingdom of God. You don't need to store it up in the natural because you have access to every blessing in Christ Jesus. Every time you need something, he's got provision for it. Every time you need to touch a blessing, every time you're looking for goodness, anytime you're looking for, for an aspect of who God is, it's available to you in the kingdom. The invitation is for us to live a kingdom life. It changes. Matthew 6, verse 33. Why does Jesus say, he's, he's just been talking about the fact that people have all of these needs and these responsibilities and these desires. And he sits and says, you know what? It doesn't matter about all those things. Honestly, have a look at the greater picture of things. In terms of the birds of the air and the lilies of the valley, you don't think you're more valuable than me? And he ends off the whole argument in Matthew 6.33 by saying, if you want access to blessing, if you want access to all that God has provided for you, if you want access to his goodness, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We to live as kingdom citizens. Psalm 23 verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Bad translation. What it actually means is this. God's never-ending goodness, His inherent love, and His mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. You know why the big difference? Because God's not waiting on you. God's intention is, I'm going to run you over with blessing before you even recognize it. There are times, sometimes, if I look back in my life, I've been blessed about some things. I never even recognized it at the time. I didn't even identify it as coming from God. And it took me some time to get a little way down the road. It took me some time to get away down the journey, to look back and in retrospect sit and say, it was His provision. It was his blessing. It was his goodness. I didn't even recognize it in that space because you know what? I wasn't looking for it. But he's good all the time. He's wanting to touch your life with blessing all the time. He's wanting to touch your life with his goodness all the time. Even when you don't recognize it and express gratitude and thanks for it. There are times we get, it's, it's something happens when you get older. I'm not that old. I'm only 106, but it's, it's still, at a young age, there's something that happens. You start having retrospectives about things and you look back on some stuff in your life and you begin to recognize and appreciate the fact that I wouldn't be here in my journey if it wasn't for him. And he did some stuff in my life when I was far away from him and it was because of his goodness. You want to know about his goodness? Go and look at the world. What happens when something goes wrong? The first thing people start doing is pray for me. What are they saying? I need goodness. I need a blessing. Where do they think it's going to come from? God. What's the disposition? That's where goodness comes from. That's where blessing comes from. That's where everything that I need comes from. And I may be distant from him. I may not even have a relationship with him. But there's something about me that recognizes the fact that if I need to touch goodness, I've got to get hold of him. God never tries to win people over with his big stick. God wins people over with his goodness because it's an extension and an expression of who he is. He loves you. He loves you. So now we get down to the nitty gritty. 
Oh, I think I was going to do yeah. it. Uh, let me just see if I want to do that. Um, yeah. Okay, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Stick with me, remember, we're going on a journey, okay? Just stick with me. Money. Money. Stick with me. Money is designed to be a blessing. Money is a thing. As much as this rock is a thing. It doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have an intention. It doesn't have a motivation. It doesn't have anything to it. It's a thing. It's a medium of exchange. That's all it is. Why is it such an influence in so many people's life? Because it carries the power of transformation. When you have money, you can make things happen. Glory be! Depends on the way you view it. If you have a spiritual disposition to it, you recognize it for what it's worth. What a wonderful blessing. I want to thank you, Father, that you fill my life with blessing. Because the more blessing I have, the more I can do. If you don't have money, not much can happen in your life. I don't know about you, but I've never walked down the road and seen somebody begging for money who has nothing, no home, barely any clothes, no food, but just begging for the essentials. And I looked at them and said, what a blessed person. Doesn't happen. The more money you can have, the better. Stick with me. Just, just stick with me. I know it's rattling some cages. Just stick with me. The more money you can have, the better. Why? Because the more money you have, the more God can invite you to do some stuff for him. If I don't have anything in my basket, God's not going to ask me to go and bless that person because I can't do it. I don't have the blessing. I don't have the goodness. I can't share it around. He gives me blessing in different ways. A, a, a while ago, we went out to lunch after church. That's probably why we were super spiritual in the moment. But we were out to, to, to lunch, and we looked over, and there was this young couple. And they were busy eating lunch. And it looked like they almost were having like a little anniversary. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> and the thing about it is, I looked at them, and it was just, I had such a, a feeling of compassion. And what came up on the inside of me was that, you know what? I don't think they have a lot but this is a special time for them. And the funny thing was God said, you know what? Pay for their lunch. Just stick with the story. <laughs> I love the way you say that. You talk about a soppy story and you get all the oohs and ahs. You give like a divine, big, big pronouncement, a spiritual insight, and you just get eyeballs. <laughs> So, he, uh, so, I said, so I felt as though God said to me, pay for their lunch. So I spoke to Sarah and she was like, of course, that's what we should do. So I didn't run up to them and say, here's some money. Just call the waiter over and say, we'll pay for their lunch. Why? Because we can do that. Because I had something called a blessing. And I could take the blessing and I could share it around. Money's not the problem. 
Money's not the issue. We need money. I count myself so blessed that you know what? Our kids can have a roof over their head. I count it so blessed that our kids can go and enjoy so many things because we have the, the ability to be able to provide for them. I'm uh, so blessed because God has provided for us in so many different ways. I love the fact that we have the opportunity to touch somebody else's life in a simple little way. It's just a lunch. But you know what it says to them? This is God's goodness reaching out to you when you least expect it. So we have this young, young ruler, young man coming to Jesus. He's coming to Jesus because he says, I've heard your teaching because he speaks about that. And he says, there's something about you. He says, tell me about eternal life. And he's looking to have a more meaningful and a greater expansive expression of what it means to be a spiritual person. But Jesus addresses him from a different perspective. You see, when Jesus starts to speak to him, he thinks that Jesus is talking to him about his money. But he's not. Jesus is talking to him about his heart. He completely missed the subject. Let me explain it to you this way. A number of years ago when my kids were young, they were, at, uh, they were obviously at school. And so you know, when, you, when they're at elementary school, you always have little like, get-togethers and everybody gets invited to come and watch a little sing-along. and blah, blah, blah. So you kind of get to know the different parents and what's happening there. And so <clears throat> there was a couple there who had some kids. And they decided that in order to, they wanted to add a blessing to their life. And so what they did is they got an au pair. And the au pair was a great blessing because she came in and she helped them with a lot of the functional things with the kids. She used to run them around. She would take care of them. She would organize their lunches. She would help them with their homework. She would get them baths and blah, blah, blah. She, she, she came in as a blessing and was a great blessing to them. The problem was this. Over time, what ended up happening is the husband fell in love with the au pair. And because he fell in love with the au pair, she took on a place rather than being a blessing, she moved into his heart. And when she moved into his heart, the problem with it was the marriage broke up and everything fell apart. What was designed to be a blessing in their life and what could have been a blessing in their life was misappropriated. And when the blessing took on a place inside of his heart, what ended up happening is they, the, the blessing took over a responsibility that was never supposed to own. And the result of it was everything started to fall apart. God wants to bless you. God is interested in blessing you. God wants to put goodness into your life. The thing about it is this. Don't fall in love with the blessing. Don't fall in love with the blessing. Because when you fall in love with the blessing, the blessing becomes a curse. When the blessing, and I'm looking for the blessing to provide for me what only he can provide for me, what ends up happening is the marriage starts falling apart and everything starts to disintegrate and the family starts to break apart. Why? Because something which was designed as a blessing took on a role and a responsibility it was never supposed to take on. When you fall in love with the blessing, you set yourself up for trouble. The rich young ruler took on the problem with him was money, 
the way that he had been blessed, the blessing of money had taken on a new and, an, and a place it should never have taken on. on in, in, it should, took on a place in his heart it should never have taken on. Instead of being a blessing, it became something that he fell in love with. And when he fell in love with it, everything that he was looking for was to come from money. I saw an interview earlier this week with one of the wealthiest men in the world. And it was interesting because he said, so they, they, at one point the interviewer asked him a question and the interviewer said to him, are you happy? And he said, he kind of, he spoke a little bit and he dodged it. And he was like, well, hey, you know, happy is such an interesting term. You know, um, I have my kids and I spend some time with them. But he said, you know, it's funny. He said, there are a lot of nights I'm lonely. I'm lonely. And he said, I go to bed lonely. There's nothing wrong with the blessing. But if you fall in love with the blessing, what ends up happening is you look for the blessing to provide things for you that the blessing was never designed to provide. It was never designed to provide. We have such a big issue right at the moment. They refer to it as mental health, mental well-being. And it's something that's very pervasive um, in sports, particularly at a, a college level and a high school level. But I think the problem with it is it's not so much about mental well-being. What's ended up happening is people have fallen in love with their gift. People have fallen in love with their ability. God blesses us. And before I even know why I was born, he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And when he has a plan and a purpose, he gifts you things that enable you to be able to fulfill what he's given you to do. And the thing about it is it's a blessing in your life. It's a good thing in your life. Take it, enjoy it, enjoy everything that it brings. But you leave it as a blessing because when you allow it to move out of the realm of blessing and it moves into the realm where I fall in love in it, with it. All of a sudden it becomes the place that I look for and I want to find my fulfillment in that and I want to find my identity in it and I want to find my gratitude and my sense of appreciation from it. And it works really well just as well as you're performing. As long as you're out on the field and everything's going really well, as long as you're scoring goals, as long as you have the accolades and everybody thinks you're fabulous, it's fine. But at some point you're going to ask too much and what's going to end up happening is when the blessing is compromised, because suddenly I get an injury. When the blessing is compromised because I'm getting too old and somebody younger starts coming in and I get cut from the team, all of a sudden I have a mental issue. You don't have a mental Ill issue. What you have is you have a love issue. You fell in love with something which is designed to be a blessing and you allowed it to give definition to who you are. You allowed it to, to be, move into the place where it gave you a sense of esteem, a sense of value, a sense of affirmation, the accolades. Everything that I needed came from the blessing. It was never designed designed to fulfill that role. God was designed to do that. And the minute I move a blessing outside of the realm of blessing and I put it in the realm of fulfillment, I'm in danger. Yeah. I'm in danger. Don't fall in love with your blessing. Can I get a little bit closer to home? Just a touch. Everybody who's married, just wave your hand. If you're ever planning on being married, just wave your hand. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. God's going to put somebody in your life and the intention is that they're a help me to you. 
God puts them in your life because he wants to bless you. He puts them in your life because they're designed to bring goodness into your life. Don't fall in love with your blessing. They were designed as a helpmeet. The problem is this. In too many relationships, what ends up happening is, I swallow you alive, and I fall in love with you. And the problem with it is, the place that God was supposed to fulfill in my life, it becomes very murky. And because I love you so much, the blessing moves into a place that He is supposed to fulfill. The blessing is never supposed to fulfill that. And what ends up happening is I look to my spouse because you need to give me this and you need to make me feel good and you need to affirm me and you need to, you need to, you need to. It's never the role of the helpmeet. That's the role of God. And when you let God into that space and he makes you whole and complete and full and fully rounded, I can appreciate the help meet, the blessing, the goodness of God. Until that place, I will learn to despise you because you can't give me what I need. You can't give me what I need. They were never designed to. You get your life established in God and you will be amazed how quickly you identify blessing. Because you know what? If you're not a blessing in my life, I can live without you. I don't need you. When he is my foundation, things start to happen. Sorry, I'm taking a long time. The point is this. The reason that it's so dangerous to fall in love with your blessing is because you curb God's ability to be able to bless you. Everything that defines the course of your life falls as part of your heart. And when your heart falls in love with the blessing, all of those things go with it. I cannot fall in love with my blessing but leave my faith and my trust engaged with God. That was the problem with the rich young ruler or young man, whatever he was. He had so much stuff, but he was in love with it. He trusted it. His belief was in it. His faith was vested in it. And God said, you know what? I can't bless you. I can't bless you. You're curbing my ability to have influence in your life. You're curbing my ability to be able to introduce you to my goodness. Why? Because you can't trust me. Why? Because faith is of the heart. If you have faith as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. But I can't, help, I can't give you my faith because my love is invested over here. All things are possible to him that believes. But I can't give you my belief because it's invested over here with my love. What he was saying to him is, I can't come into that space because you've invested something that was due to me into something which is a blessing. Never fall in love with your blessing. Never fall in love with your blessing. Because when we fall in love with it, what we end up doing is we close the channels and we make it much harder for God to bless us. So let me talk about money a little bit because it is important and all of us should have it and a lot of it. If you don't, don't worry about it. For some people it's not important. I'll just believe God for my needs. And that's okay. 
There's no set thing. All I'm saying to you is this. Any blessing that God wants to give me, I just want as much of the blessing as possible. The more I am a loving person, the more love I have to share around. The more I'm secure, the more security I can share with other people. The more I, I'm, I'm, I'm a good, wholesome, loving, kind, generous, I've got something more to live from. Just bless me, Lord. The more you can bless me, the better. And that includes money, because he can do some stuff in my life with money that I can't do if I don't have it. So one of the things I want you to understand is this. So let's, talk, let's get into the nitty-gritty of money. Number one, I want you to understand God wants you blessed. And God is going to bless you in every area. And the thing about it is, we grow in blessing. You grow in blessing. Luke chapter 16, verse 10, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. We are to steward God's blessing. And if you understand how to steward God's blessing, what ends up happening is when we steward effectively... He ends up giving us more because he can trust us. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. What he's saying is this. I'm going to bless you because I love you. I want you to experience my goodness because it's an expression of my love. And when he does that, what he's doing is he's sitting saying, can you steward it? Are you going to fall in love with it? He knows we don't. He knows what's going to happen. We don't. So he's wanting to reveal to us what's in our heart. He's all-knowing. <laughs> it's not a great surprise to him how we respond. What he's doing is he's showing us something. He's illuminating what's on the inside of where we are so that we can either move forward with him and live in the expectation of greater blessing. Or if we're struggling with it, we go to him and sit and say, I've got a problem here, Father, help me. My love is being drawn to this and that's not, that's my blessing. That's not my source. He's illuminating stuff to us. So we need to steward things. God is going to bless you financially because God has a purpose for blessing you. Not only for you to be a living advertisement to him, but God has a work that he's doing in the natural. God is not stupid. God is so much more pragmatic than we are. We, people, we, the, part of the reason that God blesses you financially is because God wants you to be at a place where you're spiritually mature enough to recognize the fact that part of the reason he's blessing me is to support what he's doing in the natural. God does not print money up in heaven and just you go out one day during a thunderstorm and put buckets out and money falls down. He understands we live in both realms. And so as a pragmatic God, what he says is, if I give you blessing, what are you going to do with it? And so he actually helps us. And you know what he does? He says, I'll tell you what, I'll make it a little bit easier for you. I'll give you 90% of it. I'm going to keep 10. God doesn't do that. Yeah, he does. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. And all of the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's and is holy to the Lord. The tithe belongs to God. Oh, you don't understand. Jesus came and Jesus delivered us from the law. It's true. But tithing existed before the law. Tithing was around before the law ever came into existence. Why? Because God recognized the fact that he is a spiritual God, but in order for him to have a presence on the earth where he can take spiritual truths and impart them to people to have influence in the local community, in individuals, in their schools, in the environment, where he's able to raise people up into a spiritual awareness and a deeper relationship with him, that needs to be supported. It's in the natural. 
Electricity. No more mortgages. Where does it all come from? Oh, that's a dirty word in church. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And when you've got a blessing, 10% of that blessing belongs to God. He said it. Why? Because the thing about it is he's looking for us to have a heart disposition, which is not just about me, but it's about am I open to the idea and am I supportive of the idea that God is doing something in the world around me, in my community, in my environment? Am I supportive of it? And just to say, well, I just pray for it. That's easy. Ooh, this is going to get a little bit tricky. Thank goodness we're speaking to all those beach people. The point of it is this. If it's hard to tithe, which doesn't belong to me, so I'm really holding on to God's money, why? Could it be just maybe that my affections are moving in the direction of my blessing? You see, if I'm not in love with it, I'll share it with you. If I love it, oh, that affects my heart so deeply. Oh, it touches my heart. Why? Because you're asking me to share my love. You're asking me to tear away from my heart something that's dear to me. What's happening? The blessing's getting too close. The blessing's getting too close. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, each one must do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know what he's saying? Don't give because people force you to give. Wrong motive, don't do it. Don't do it because you feel compelled to have to give. Wrong motive. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm looking for cheerful givers. I'm looking for people who sit and say, Father, you know what? I cannot thank you enough for the way that you've been so good to me. I want to thank you that I wake up with regularity and I thank God every single day that I have the most fantastic wife in the world. I thank God every single day for my kids. What a blessing each one of them is, unique and different. I want to thank you for the way that you bless us. I want to thank you for all that you've provided for us. I thank you for the friends that we have and the ability to be able to have influence. I thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, if I can take something that you've blessed me with and I can just return it to you as a small token of my appreciation and my thanks thanks for what you've done for me. Oh, my heart is so touched because I can do a little something for you to honor you. That's a heart disposition. And if I'm not in that place, I don't want you to feel a sense of condemnation, but what I want you to do is go to the Holy Spirit and say, why, why, does it, why do I choke up every time I have to give up five bucks? No, it's important. Because the problem with it is, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to liberate you like Jesus was trying to liberate the, the, the young man who went to slay, speak to him. Because if it gets into your heart, what ends up happening is I curb God's ability to be able to bless me. Because it's not just my love that goes, but it's the trust and the faith and the confidence and the belief. Everything goes with it. Live in a place where it's clean and it's good. And I love the blessing. What concerns me a little bit is over the last 20 years, we, particularly in the you know, in charismatic movements, we, we've developed this whole thing. We've, we've developed people who have a prosperity mentality. I'm, I'm big about prospering. I mean, I think I'm bringing it pretty clear today. But my concern about it is this. What we have to guard with prosperity is, ultimately, in some ways, what we look at is, it's about me. It's about me and my provision and my happiness and my cushiness. And the reason that I give is with the wrong motive. It's not because of a heart of gratitude and love. I give because I'm going to get. 
Don't, don't give. It's good to live in the expectation and thank, Father, thank him the, the fact that, you know what, because I steward this well, I can trust you. And I thank you, Father, that you continue to bless me. But it'll always stay a blessing. But my heart disposition is I'm not giving to get. I'm giving out of gratitude. I'm giving out of gratitude. God has a purpose. Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God? It's those beach people. Never trust a beach person. But you have robbed me. And you say, how have you, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. If you go down to Malachi um, 3.10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse so there might be meat in my house. I've covered that. The importance of why we, we, we give to the local church. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Sorry, the next one as well. Test me now in this. Hmm? <laughs> the second part of the verse speaks about the fact that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. What I want to tell you is this. There is one of the most wonderful... Ble- there are some things that are exclusively available to tithers. What God is saying is this. Because I can trust you in little, I can give you more. So what ends up happening is when I am a regular, consistent tither, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. Remember, what you're doing here is a spiritual activity. Please don't throw money in the plate. Please don't just text it. Please, it's... That's a natural expression, but there's a spiritual activity that's taking place here. And so what you do is, in that space, before you do anything or give anything, activate it spiritually. Father, I come to you with a heart of gratitude, and I thank you so much for all the blessings you've given to me. I want to thank you for the health that we live in. I thank you for the the provision that you've, you've provided for me. I want to thank you, Father, that I'm led and I'm guided by you. I want to thank you that as I'm respect and I honor your leading and guiding. I thank you that I walk into expressions of your goodness. I want to thank you that I'm a blessing to the world around me. I want to thank you for all of those things. And as a small gratitude, I take what belongs to you and I give it back to you, Father. And I give it to you right now. And I want to thank you, Father, because I do that. I position myself in a place under open heavens. I want to thank you that as in that space, I look for your provision and I continue to look to you to provide for me as my source. I want to thank you that your goodness and your blessing comes into my life because I live in that space. Not only that, I want to thank you, Father, right now that you rebuke the devourer for my sake. Think about what's going on in your life in that, in that moment and be practical. If, if the devil's stealing from you in some way, if he's giving you problems in business, is he's, I don't know what he's doing, but be practical about it and sit and say, Father, I want to thank you. I claim that promise right now. And I come against you, devour in the name of Jesus. And in whatever situation you are right now, I want to thank you, Father, that you are rebuked and I command you to take your hands off things. It's spiritual. Oh, but that sounds so weird. That's spiritual. Anything that isn't natural doesn't mean it's weird. That's how it works. 
if you want to become people who are spiritual people, people who live in re- relationship with God and, and act from that place, it's important for us to get to a position where we understand how we take things of the spiritual arena, how we activate them in our life, and how we introduce them into the natural world. Why? Because I'm a living billboard for him. I'm looking to be blessed. I'm positioning myself up over under open heavens to be blessed. I'm looking for his goodness to be evidenced in my life. Why? More than anybody could ever have a look at and appreciate because when I do that, I sit and say, thank you, it's to him. When they come and say, how does that happen? I'm a walking billboard. That's when people pay attention to Christianity. If there's no meat on the bones, Christianity is a joke. You want to know why people laugh at it and are cynical about it? You want to know why the number of people leaving the church isn't there? Because God isn't evidenced in too many people's lives. So we have a responsibility to that. If you're tithing this morning, we're going to take up the offering right now. But what I want you to do is this. I want you to get your tithe in your hand. Just everybody put something in. I don't care if you put in, I don't care if you put in five cents. Just get something to put in, please. And if you haven't got something, say to your neighbor, I've got no cash. Please give me five bucks. I mean, five cents. I want you to hold it because we're going to do something spiritual. My encouragement to you is this. Make this a lifestyle. I, I began to realize more and more, you know what? I, and this is so bad for me because part of my responsibility as a pastor is I have to study and I have to know what's, what, what God expects and what he's looking for and what he's doing and where he's going. And, and I can spend so much time studying that I get a lot of knowledge, but I don't do anything. And it's a dangerous place to be. You actually have to stop for a minute and sit and say, hold on a second. If he's shown me that, it's all very well preaching about it, but I have a responsibility to do it. Do stuff in your life. This is a spiritual exercise that you can experience, that you can engage in with regularity. And you should be, because you get paid every month. Father, okay, you got it? Hold it in your hand. Close your eyes, okay? Father, I just want to thank you right now for people who are tithers and people who are givers. I want to thank you, Father, for your tremendous love and blessing for us. I want to thank you that you're such a good God. You look for every opportunity to flood our lives with your goodness. I want to thank you right now, Father, for everybody and the way that you've blessed them. I pray right now as we take what you've given to us and Father, as we give it back to you, we just want to give it back to you with the right heart, with the right disposition and the right attitude. We just say thank you to you for being so good to us. I pray, Father, that you open the eyes of our understanding. And so instead of always looking for the negative, we begin to recognize more and more your blessings in our life. The new every morning, new every morning, because your faithfulness is so great. I pray right now, Father, that as we honor your word and we come to you, as we express this to you and we offer it to you, I pray right now that you open the windows of heaven. You know what the need is in every single person's life right now. And I pray, Father, for provision for that, blessing in whatever form they're looking for and whatever they need. I pray, Father, right now for rebuking the devourer. I want to thank you that you said you're going to step in on our behalf and you're going to do some stuff. I don't know where they are right now, but Father, I want to thank you that you intervene in those situations. I want to thank you 
Satan, you have no place in those areas. And in the name of Jesus, we bind you. We render you helpless. And I want to thank you, Father, right now, that your Holy Spirit and, its abund- and his abundance and his life comes into those places. I thank you, Father, that blessing floods it. Success is the result and prosperity is experienced. We bless you for it now, in Jesus' name. Amen. In the week that's, that's coming up, what I want to encourage you to do is this. Live in the expectation of God pursuing you with his blessings. Keep your eyes open. I, you know, I, I, we live in a world where it's so easy to complain about this, that, and the next thing. Every time you turn around, there's an issue with this and a problem with that. And this person says, you, you, can, you can let that stuff take so much profile in our lives that we actually lose sight of all the wonderful things that he's doing in our lives. Be intentional about keeping your eyes open. Look for his blessings. Enjoy his blessings. Revel in his blessings. Thank him for his blessings. And live in the expectation of more. Why? Because I want to be a moving billboard, a living billboard that's influential. The more you are blessed, the more you get to minister to others. The louder you speak. Have a wonderful week, okay? Be blessed.